Hi, it's Martin, and I'm here with Neil Cowie from Robson Edler Wealth for the next episode of our podcast, Business Stuff. Hi, Neil, how are you doing? I'm very well, Martin. Nice to be with you. Thank you. And we're going to talk today about making the most of your resources. Um, and, you know, you're from a wealth team, so that's primarily going to be people's cash, their assets, that kind of thing. Right. Where, where, where do people start? You know, what, what do you mean by making the use of your resources? It's a, it's a big question. Um, I think for us, the way we deal with it with clients is, is the starting points, not so much where they are now, although that's important, it's, it's where they want to be in the future. Now, that might be retirement and having a lifestyle in retirement. It might be a specific goal like buying a new car in three years' time. It might be sending their kids to university or private school. There can be any number of goals, but that tends to be the starting point. Once we know where you're trying to get to, it's a bit like a map. Yeah and where you are now, we can then create a, a roadmap, a pathway to help you achieve that objective. Right, okay then. And, and, and without putting words in your mouth, and it sounds like that's the kind of thing you won't get if you just go on to, I don't know, a, a comparison site and say, you know, what's the return will I get on this? It's, this isn't, none of this, not, it's not about products, that's not about returns almost. It's, it's about what do you want to do first, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of the, DIY investing sites is purely about how much money have you got, what sort of risk, investment risk do you want to take with it, and they'll spit out a number as to what you can potentially expect, but that can't be guaranteed, and it bears no resemblance to what you need to achieve to match the goals that you've got and the objectives. That you've and got. importantly, when they and may just say, "Yeah, do this," yeah. and give you a you know percentage to expect, but they might give you a long term target and you might need the money in two years time or yeah, yeah so, so again it's it's never going to be a complete plan is it it's only ever going to be a well with this amount of money you could do this but that ignores everything else doesn't it yeah I mean it, it, I guess it's you know the value of advice and whether you're willing to pay for it but it it, it encompasses a very you know deep broad analysis of where you are now where you want to be in the future and, and most direct to customer offerings don't give that yeah, okay then. So you mentioned, you know, you're planning for something. I suppose the thing that everyone plans for, whether they know it or not, is retirement. And it, is, is, is it fair to say that's the thing that most people want to plan for or, or that's on everybody's list? What, what's, what's the second biggest thing that people aim to plan for? I think it's probably even more general than that because we uh, as advisors deal with people that are both working now and also retired now. So it's not just retirement. Uh, yeah. it's, it's mainly about most people's goal, whether they articulate it or not, is maintaining the lifestyle they've got. And you know, that lifestyle has a cost to it. You know, the daily things that you spend on, you know, the basics, the, the nice things that you like to have, the occasional one-off large spends, that, that, that makes up your lifestyle. And it's our job to understand what that is and to try and help you maintain or achieve that level of wealth required to okay. sustain that lifestyle. So that's, that's like setting their, their, their needs now. Obviously, people's needs will change o o over their life. Someone in their 20s will have a completely different idea of what being in their 80s is like and probably have no idea what it's like. Um, what's the kind of things that change people's plans along the way then? Obviously kids, marriage. Yeah, the, the, the kind of obvious life events that you could think about, you know, you, you perhaps start single, you get a job, you, you know, you've got some surplus income, you then maybe enter a relationship, you've got someone else to think about. You've got a then, deficit of income. <laughs> probably, yeah, if you're like, um, um, you know, my family situation uh, back in the day. But, uh, 
Yeah, and then potentially kids come along, um, and, and then the you know retirement, losing jobs, changing jobs, getting a higher salary, you know, illness, death, you know, just the things that happen in life uh, can change all of that. Again, it's that's why it's important. It's not a one-off exercise. The advice that we give to the majority of our clients, it's it's an ongoing process because we recognise things change, yeah. both in their own circumstances as well as economic issues, tax issues, things like that. And the only way you can keep up to date with those things is to be in actual conversation with people, isn't it? I, I, I've, I've met loads of people where they've said, oh yeah, I did this you know, like 12 years ago and I, I think it's doing all right. So, well, what you did 12 years ago, you should, yeah. you might not still be on that journey, might you? Absolutely. I mean, when it comes to specific products, you know, there's been a vast change in products in terms of flexibility, cost, choices within them. And it's important to, you know, to keep those up to date, make sure they remain the appropriate thing for the, what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. And of course, in you know, 12 years, you could be married, divorced, twice over, Absolutely, yeah. have four changed. more kids than you used to have, or the kids could have moved out and you haven't got that cost now. So any, anything could have changed. Sure. What, what, are the, what, what are the biggest things that people overlook when they're planning? Do, one, 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 when we first ever started working with you guys, one of the things that I'd never really thought about is possible inheritances, for instance. Say, oh yeah, well I need this amount of money. Oh, but I'm an only kid and my parents are millionaires. All right, well, that changes what you need to put away then, doesn't it? Yeah. Possibly. Um, it's, it's, again, it's quite a difficult question. I, I, I think it's the, it's the simple things. It's, it's kind of working out, you know, it's old fashioned, but budgeting is very important to a financial plan. Knowing how much you've got coming in every week, every month, and how much is going out and spending every week and every month. You know, we've done do, blogs do you, do you on think that most recently? people have no idea what they actually spend on a monthly basis then? Most people have got no idea what they spend on a monthly basis. That you know, Some people are very analytical about it. We love people like that because it helps us. Because they can just answer, answer questions quite uh, easily. Some people have just got a general feeling we're, really, you know, we're well off. We don't really have to worry and I get that. Uh, but I think the majority of people, it would be time well spent. Just even, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a long-winded exercise. But now and again, just having a quick flick through the bank statement, the credit card statement, whatever, work out, you know, roughly what's going out on a regular basis, what the sort of surplus is, and then that, you know, you can, from there, you can make some choices about, you know, are we spending too much on certain things, the obvious things like a gym membership you never use, or streaming services that you pay for and never watch anything, yeah. you know, that you're wasting money, as well as things like, you know, energy prices, very topical at the moment, can you get a better deal? Perhaps not at the moment, but yeah. you know, traditionally you would be able to do that. You know, things like that. Of course, the classic um, thing that seems to hit the press regularly is if you could just not have avocado on toast every day, you could buy a much bigger house and retire like thirty years earlier. <laughs> but it, it kind of is that, but you, also it's not quite that, is it? Yeah. Like that, yeah. You know, if you spend twelve quid on the way into work every day that you don't have to, yeah. that's twelve quid a day. I guess a lot of people are whether consciously or unconsciously, waste money in various yeah. ways. You know, the way you might waste money will be different from the way I might waste money. Yeah. Uh, I, again, you waste a lot of money on golf, don't you, for instance? Well, I would like to think that's a valuable investment <laughs> into my lifestyle. <laughs> but that's a good example. Of the, yeah. yeah what, what do you like to do? You know, this is all about using the resources to do the things you want to do. Yeah. So if, if golf's a priority or travel or you know, your family or whatever it is, whatever you want to spend your money on, ask yourself the question, well, am I using my resources in a way that is is trying to make that objective happen? 
And, and it's not just happened now, it's happened now and for as long as you want it to happen, Absolutely. isn't it? Yeah. So you might say, well, I want to travel for the next 30 years and eventually I'll have been everywhere and I'll probably get a bit tired of it. And so, yeah, you don't plan to travel forever. It's yeah. you, you look at what you need when, don't you? And again, that changes. So, you know, travel is a good example. And, uh, you know, you're, you're probably most active in a, in a period of your life. And then maybe towards the end of your life, you're less active. You may be less work worried about getting on a plane, traveling distances or whatever. So your your goals and objectives and how you want to spend your money will change as well. Yeah. People tend to do most of their bungee jumping, jet skiing holidays younger rather than older, don't they, for yeah. instance? But bungee jumping hasn't come up as a, a bucket list, but I guess it'll be on some people's lists. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. What, um, what, what, what do you think the things are that people often get wrong on their spending, Neil? Is, is it... Is it so if you ask most people to do a monthly budget, what 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 will you always see missing on there where you go, but you must do these, and they go, oh yeah, yeah, I do. I, I mean, do people just not put the annual costs in or what What, what do people get wrong? Yeah, I mean, it, there's, a, there's a kind of graduation of how simple expenses are. The, the obvious things that we all spend on are, you know, things like your utility bills, your council tax, your, maybe your, your, your petrol in the car every week or whatever it might be, the basics day-to-day spending that you can look down your bank statement and you maybe have direct debits for and it's quite easy to quantify so you ask people what they spend and they'll come up with the total of their direct debits for the month yeah. but then that's usually less than half what they actually spend in yeah. terms of things like the coffee on the way to work yeah. or the you know the 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 night out or you know visit to a theater or a cinema or a, a meal out or you know home improvements or whatever, you know, various categories of And people might say, well, I don't have to do them. That's why I didn't tell you. But people like to do these things. Yeah. So again, this is the trade-off, isn't it? Well, do you want to do more of that or more of something else? That's that's exactly right. So, you know, we, we do categorise people's expenses when we do our work with people. We do categorise them between basic expenditure, maybe leisure expenditure, maybe luxury expenditure. And it, it might be I'm prepared to give up a little bit on the luxury side to make sure I'm absolutely solid on the basic expenditure, but people will, you know, adjust those categorizations in different ways, I suppose. Do, do, do you find that people have a different approach depending on what their position is? So an employed person with a decent work based pension is probably going to have a radically different attitude to, to the sole trader who has to like you know find every sale find every every month's worth of income it is is does that change fundamentally what their needs and desires are or are we all the same at heart i'm not sure it changes your needs and desires I, I, you know again going back to the generalization that maintaining lifestyle tends to be the the kind of thing that most people want to do i guess the security of income to enable you to fund that is different and that might create different challenges for as you say the self-employed who are reliant on their you know their day-to-day endeavors to create sales or profits in their business to maintain their wages whereas someone in a salary position knows that you know unless they cock up massively they're going to get their wage every every month in their in their bank account so it's maybe a different view of where the income's coming from i suppose and have you seen, I can't remember now when auto enrolment came in, but it's been in a while now, hasn't it? I mean, it's, it's this generation, isn't yeah. it? Auto enrolment is the, the, for anyone who doesn't know, it's the automatic entry into a workplace pension. 
which I don't know what the stats are, but most people are probably okay if you work full-time for a reasonable size employer. I think that's a, a probably automatically in a pension scheme. Has has that changed a lot of the way that people look now? or in, in that most people probably have a base level of some pension expectation? I think I think the general awareness of, of saving and the benefits of that have been increased as a result of auto-enrolment. I mean, the UK uh, is a little bit behind countries like Australia who introduced that quite a number of years ago. Uh, and, and there was definitely the evidence in Australia is that more people are more aware and more interested in their finances, they're, they're more willing to actually put some money aside every month, whether it's a pension or a, an, another savings or investment product. That's interesting. You know, so, so that it's increased, increased the awareness and, and by taking responsibility for yourself, albeit with the help of some legislation and your employer, it can only be a good thing in my view. So it's interesting, so it looks like being forced to do a little bit makes people more likely to then do a little bit more voluntarily. Is yeah, I mean, the, the, the government's objective were, was obviously to ultimately to take the burden off the state or to reduce the burden on the state so more people would take responsibility for their, their own long-term financial well-being. Um, and if that makes people question how much they're saving and whether there's scope to save a little bit more, then I think, as I say, that can only be a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what it is, but there's a, there's, I think there's a book called something, The Richest Man in Babylon or something, where you just basically save 10% of everything every month forever and you'll be all right. But mm. most people don't have that attitude when they're young, building a home, building a family. It, it's quite hard to put that money aside at that point in your life, isn't it? Yeah. When arguably that's the bit that's got 50 years to grow, so it'd be great if you could. Is, yeah. is there any way around that or is that just you it's, have to just do it, without? It is, you know, there's lots of, you know, formulas and sort of uh, guidance that you can find in, on the web or in books or whatever. I, th I think the principle of saving little and often and is good. The early you, the early you start to do that, the more money you're going to have at the end of the day. And I think, again, going back to the point about auto-enrollment, the way that that works typically is the money comes out of your salary before you get it and it goes into your pension fund. So in some ways you haven't had it anyway, so yeah. you don't kind of miss it and that makes it a bit easier to, 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 to deal with. And, and before you know it, over a you know, few months, a couple of years, there's a little pot emerging and it's like a, I guess it's like a, an acorn that you yeah. plant in the ground and over time it will, will grow. It's, it's Plus it flexes automatically if you earn twice the wage, twice as much goes in. And because yeah. it's percentage related, then obviously as your earnings go up, the, the contribution goes up, which is, which is yeah. useful as well. What, um, what, what are, what are the take-up numbers on auto-enrollment? Because you can opt out, can't you? Do, do, do you? do a lot of people just kind of go, no, I'll never have a pension and that's the end of it? Yeah. We're, not, we're not selling pensions yet, but do, no. do, do, there is still like a, a stigma, isn't there, around some people just go, I'll never have a pension, yeah. no matter what you say. I think there's some misconceptions. It's been a while since I've been involved in sort of the coalface in terms of setting up an auto-enrollment scheme, but certainly when the legislation came in and we were helping some employer clients set up schemes for their, their own staff uh, the general kind of evidence was that the take-up was pretty good what's happened maybe since then is that the minimum contribution rates have increased and, and there's been a bit of a drop-off in uh, contri uh, contributors uh, as the cost maybe gets a bit more expensive yeah. but I think I don't know the, the actual stats but I'll be confident it's certainly well over half 
those yeah. that are offered a pension join it and continue to pay into it. And you it. get rolled back into the scheme every couple of years anyway, don't you? There's so you've got, you've got to keep thing. opting out repeatedly yeah. if you want to stay out, haven't That's you? That's right. Your employer's got an obligation to, if you do opt out, to revisit that decision <laughs> yeah. every three years, I think it is. Yeah. And, 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 and it, it, I mean, that, that seems to be one of, the, one of the great ways of leveraging any investment you make as well. It, because by you putting your percentage in, you're getting the employer's percentage for nothing, aren't you? It's so by like, opting out, you're giving away free money, aren't you? It's a no-brainer, really. If you you know if you can afford to make the employee contribution, why wouldn't you? Because as you say, you're getting the benefit of the employer contribution. So you're doubling your money before you start, aren't you? The, Pretty much, yeah. 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 Um, okay, then. So so you know, pensions. Everyone knows about pensions, and everyone you know uh, you know. I mean, I, I knew a lot of people. You know, you go back 20 years, you had things like Equitable Life, the scandals, Marconi, everyone lost their pensions. So you got a pension, let's say, nothing's guaranteed. Is that just an argument that you should diversify and do multiple things or just keep an eye on your pension? How, how do people mitigate that kind of argument? Sure. Again, going back to maybe a point I made earlier, modern pensions or investment products um, are very flexible. So in the past, you might well have, you know, set up a pension with one provider with a certain type of fund and then you might have had a little bit more money in the future and set up another pension with another provider to get that diversification yep, so you're spreading yep. your risk a bit. You probably don't really need to do that anymore. Modern pensions offer you access to a very wide range of investment funds uh, with you know low charges uh, and ultimately the amount you get out at the end will be a direct relationship with the amount that you put in every month yeah. uh, and also you know what the charges are and how much you um, or what sort of level of risk you take those, those are the things that will determine the, the pot size at the end of the day when you retire we'll come back on to risk because that that, that yeah. seems to be something that you've mentioned risk a couple of times already um, what, what, what where, where do people start if, they, if I mean pension might not be the thing for people depending on what you want if you're going to buy that car in three years time pensions probably not a good idea Possibly. unless you're about to retire and get your pension lump sum yeah. so what, what 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 are that type of things that people normally do is you know leave money in the bank should we start there yeah so there's probably a, a, a series of steps that you might want to consider I guess the first thing is to work out if we're talking about a monthly figure, how much extra do you have? How much of a surplus do you have at the end of the month? Um, work out what's an affordable, from that amount, what's an affordable amount that you can commit to saving, whatever that is, uh, or to use in some way. Now, it might be saving's a good idea, generally. Uh, we tend to recommend trying to build up a a reserve in a bank account bank savings of somewhere between maybe three and six months of spending so if you you know if you spend I don't know three thousand pounds a month typically then you might want to have somewhere maybe ten to fifteen grand as a as a savings account once you've got to that level then you might think of other things it might be you might want to repay your mortgage for instance or you, if you've got some expensive uh, debt high interest rates, you might want to pay that down first. You might to want to clear, do that before clear, you Clear the credit save. cards, yeah. You know, that might be a better use of your money if you're paying a high level of interest. But assuming that's not the case, then beyond cash, then you probably want to be investing some of that surplus, saving it on a regular basis. And the, the, the main types of products you would look at would probably be an ISA, and that would usually be a stocks and shares ISA that we would recommend. There's some investment risk attached to that, and obviously we would cover that with a, with a client. Uh, and or a, or a pension, 
the ISA tends to be more for the shorter term because uh, you can access money in an ISA uh, very easily. Whereas the pension, as you've rightly pointed out, you've got to be a minimum age before you access your pension. At the moment, that's 55. It's going up shortly to 57 and 58 beyond beyond that. So. What, what, what one thing I always get is, is people always think accountants, everyone we know has got loads of money, as well as we've all got loads of money apparently as well. Apparently. Um, and, and, and the amount of times I've sat at this table and people went, well, you must know loads of people sitting on loads of cash. But sitting on cash, unless you're you know, someone who's just like striking deals all over the place as like a venture capitalist or something, sitting on cash isn't normally a good idea for most normal people, is it? No, and, and when we talk about cash, we mean money in the bank. That's, yes. Uh, we yeah. we, we yeah. use the term cash quite freely, but it means it's not literally cash under the mattress. I don't mean like Pablo Escobar <laughs> sleeping on yeah. a bed of... Fifties, but yeah, <laughs> no, no, it's money in the bank, uh, and it, and everybody that's got surplus needs that amount uh, or an amount, and I've given some guidance on we yeah, think yeah, what we yeah. think is an appropriate an amount. Beyond that, though, that the problem with cash or money in the bank is that it loses value over time because of inflation. At the moment, we've seen the headlines that inflation's running seven percent. I think was the latest figure, very high. If you think about, if you're lucky, you'll be at one percent bank interest, so effectively yeah. you're losing 6% a year on, on those numbers. Uh, and, 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 and money put aside is effectively just deferred spending. And if you can if you can get that money to grow at a better rate, then you've effectively got more to spend sometime down the line. Yeah, because so. yeah. we've talked about risk a couple of times then, in, in, but not really explored risk. So it, people's attitude to risk Again, you know, so my dad was old school. It's like, you know, it's, it's under the bed, literally. I know yeah, where it is. Sure. Or it's, it, he used to call Bartley's Billy. I don't know why, Billy Bartley. Billy's got me money and I'm happy with that. Yeah. But, but people assume then that they are zero risk options, but they're not, are they? If the money in the bank is actually losing you spending power year on yeah. year, people are already at a position of risk there, aren't they? Very much so. I mean, there's various types of risk and you know you can think of the risk of I don't know falling off a high building or the you know the risk of getting run over in the street by a car you know different types of risks when we talk about risk uh, we tend to think about in in three different ways when it comes to investing your money uh, the first is your general attitude towards financial risk about losing money and most people, all people, are on a, a range, a spectrum, if you like, to use that expression, from cautious to adventurous. And that's, that's your personality, and, and the, that's intend to change, irrespective of your financial circumstances. You're, you know, you're either cautious, adventurous, or somewhere in, in between. So that's a starting point. The other, um, other way we look at risk is the risk that you need to take, so, or, or what sort of return do you need to get and in order to get a higher return, you need to take a higher investment risk. So if yeah. if your number, the number of wealth, of your wealth that you need at 60 when you retire, for instance, to maintain your lifestyle is X, then for you to get where you are now to X, assuming you may, you other things, need you to, need yeah. a certain return. And we can kind of work Because to put that the other way, if someone comes in and says to you, well, I need, you know, I need 20 grand a year and I've got 
30 million pound to invest yeah. you go well, well that's easy you can yeah. be relative you can be super low risk because yeah. you're going to get that all day long you could afford to lose money every year and still have enough to you could just dip into your capital for years and be fine Absolutely. whereas if someone says well i've got a hundred grand and i need that to be 300 in 10 years they're only going to get there Correct. they're either going to get there or they're going to lose their money that, yeah but they can't do something low risk and then wonder why they didn't get the through. No, so, and again, it, 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 and it's not an exact science and, and compromises sometimes have to have to come in. So the, the, we, we tend to layer it up. So one, we make sure you've got enough income to cover your lifestyle. That's the, that's the starting point. We've determined that with it, yeah. the budgeting we talked about. Secondly, you've got enough cash for emergency. So if an unexpected cost comes up, you know, the roof blows off, the car breaks down, your Change kids jobs need or whatever. Yeah you know, illness, you know, number of scenarios you could think of, you've got an emergency fund that will cover some short-term money. The purpose of investing is typically for the medium to longer term, so sometime down the line. And what, what, what are you classing as medium there then? Three, four years plus, typically, I would say. Right. Uh, you know, uh, as long as you've got that emergency reserve, you can, uh, you can afford to take that little bit longer term view and then things yeah. like pensions for depends how old you are but for most people tend to be very long term yeah, yeah, yeah. if you just started work then that's 30 35 40 years perhaps in front of you which you know which is a long time okay then so let's let, let's say someone's you know sitting there and think well we know what we're spending now we know what we need we know what our lifestyle looks like we've thought about kids marriage house moves mm -hmm. car purchases book list trips etc we've planned all that out what happens if you know something unexpected comes along then you need a plan b here so you know you you fall off that building yeah um, and you thought you had 20 more years of working with a grand a month spare you haven't um it's a tricky one i mean you, you obviously you don't know these events are going to happen but if you're trying to avoid the financial consequences these sort of events so things like you know what we call protection so life cover you know, you know premature death of maybe the main breadwinner in our family that would have a devastating consequence on the family left behind simple life cover is a is a, a very easy way to mitigate the financial risk of that you know when you obviously replace the person or the emotional impact of that's clearly very high but, but you can keep the house but you can yeah, pay the mortgage off have a pot of money to help yeah. maintain the lifestyle that's fairly affordable easy to set up that's there one are, of those things as well where again the younger you do it the better rates you get because you're yeah. less likely to do something yeah, the risk, that the ends risk your life as a 20 year old dying before your 60s relatively low compared with yeah. a 55 year old you know so another good example of don't leave it too long yeah and yeah. then um again it's it's about prioritizing the surplus that you've got and and the goals you're trying to achieve and and we would typically encourage people to think about protection before they start investing money uh, but some people have already taken care of that and therefore I've got the surplus yeah. that they can commit to investing but yeah so the, the what would happen if kind of scenario you know life cover is an issue you might think about uh, something called income protection which is designed to I was going to say let's say I didn't fall that far yeah <laughs> and I can't work but I'm not dead you're not dead <laughs> but you bust up your leg and you can't move for a period of time and that's yeah. you know uh, yeah. something that you know you've kind of experienced personally so um you know there's insurance to help cover your income for a period of time that you're off work because of illness or accident yeah. uh that tends to be a bit more expensive but actually the risk of that happening to you is probably higher than you dying in, in the period of time that you're working so yeah. 
uh, it's something to consider and various providers offer those types of insurances. The, 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 the challenge you've got as well, Neil, is, is whilst you want to provide for your lifetime, the, the, or your lifestyle, sorry, there's arguably a, a, a contrary problem if you've got too much. It just causes issues in other ways, doesn't it? Yeah. Because if you die with too much stuff, your, 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 the next generation, your descendants, are just going to lose a lot of money in inheritance tax, for instance. Yeah. So you say, well, you know, I, I want 30 grand a year forever. Yeah. Right? Okay, well, why are you sitting on 20 million pound then? Yeah. So you, you, you must have interesting conversations where people are saying, well, I'm worried about retirement who don't need to worry and they've actually got different worries. Mm -hmm. And then you need to start helping them like move assets away from their estates, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it, it actually it's quite a common issue that we have with uh, with a lot of our clients. They've, they've, you know, they've maybe worked with us for a while. They're, they're quite secure in the money that they've got and they know that they'll probably have enough and they can demonstrate that by you know, modelling various assumptions about interest rates and inflation and investment returns and longevity and all that stuff. Um, and, and, and then, then actually com, comes down to, well, what is that money to do? You know, again, it's the same question. What's the money for? Uh, and, and for many, they want to give money away to their kids, uh, usually when they're fit and well to see them enjoy it, be it, you know, getting on a housing ladder or yeah. helping with school fees or you know, whatever it might be. Um, we can help them demonstrate the impact of them giving that money on their own situation. Will it affect them or actually can, can they afford can to they give afford that money away yeah. yeah absolutely uh, and their motivation might be to save tax you know inheritance tax is a relatively small tax in terms of the the, the revenue that the, uh, the government uh, gets from, from it's a big that percentage tax. of someone's estate if it, it affects them yeah but it doesn't affect as many people as that's right yeah. i mean it's, it's relatively modest overall in the grand scheme of things but still people are motivated to you know a lot of the comments are I've paid tax all my life I don't see why I should pay when I die as well yeah, uh, yeah. and you only die if you die with it though don't well, you that's, quite, the, that's uh, the thing yeah. and you don't you know most people don't want to be the richest person in the graveyard so uh, and again uh, sorry a bit of a cliche but a habit or a, 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 a saying that I often use is better to give with a warm hand than a cold hand and a cold hand yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so yeah we can help devise some strategies to help their family at the same time, reduce their inheritance tax liability. Do, do, do you find so? So one of the one again, one of the things you you mentioned to me often is people say, "Well, you know, my business is the pension." Let's just say I've sat. Well, business is the pension, Neil. Or why would I? I don't need you, do I? It's again comes back to the question of risk and diversification. Yeah. You might have the most successful business that's been running for years and years and years, and you may be very comfortable with it. And if that's you, and that's how you feel. Fair play, on you go. But it but if just you, but takes if Kodak, on the other hand. <laughs> a bad debt or not adapting to a change in the marketplace yeah. of the product yeah. or service that you sell. Um, you know, tax rate, uh, tax um, goes up and or unexpected costs come along. That you Technology. Can, all of that. You know. Wipes out your industry altogether. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, thing, things change. So why, why rely on just one thing when you could spread that risk very easily by perhaps invest in some surplus profits uh, yeah. in, in a pension and an investment, uh, wherever it might be in property, you know, it could be anything, uh, just to spread that risk so you're not overly reliant on one source of income or wealth in the future. Yeah, okay. What, um, what, 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 and I haven't primed you for this, so time where I put you on the spot a little bit. Okay. Give, give, give us your three basic tips, where to start then, 
and I'll offer you your first one because you've already kind of said it. Then yeah. get your budget, sort out what you what you spend, what you ha- your, your 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 basics, your essentials, your luxuries. Yeah, we'll start there. What 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 else should people do then? If if people are sitting thinking, well, this is all great, I'm not there yet, but I want to be. What? Okay. How do this? Where do they get started? It, it, I mean, it is very basic. So, yeah, as you said, work out what comes in, what goes out, what extra you've got. Uh, try and work out how comfortable you are with that number and how much of that number you are then prepared to use for your future objectives. Um, After that, as we've already said, it's probably a case of maybe building up a small savings reserve, considering reducing some debt, getting the insurance sorted out so you're comfortable if the worst happens, you're you're protected. So that's your plan B. Once you've ticked all those sort of basic boxes, then it's a case of, well, I've got this extra, I can invest. And then it's a, it's a case of working out what the time scale for that investment might be. So if you're sitting as a, I don't know, a 30 year old now and you're thinking, well, I've got the house, I've, you know, family's now set up, we've got all these other boxes ticked, I'm looking to the long term, it might be pension's the most appropriate thing. I can. I can add that surplus to my pension, or it might be a, if you've got a shorter time frame that something like an ISA might be more appropriate because it's a shorter term type of investment that you can access more easily. Basically, devote as much as you can of the amount that you're comfortable with to that type of saving or that type of yeah. investment. I like, I like what you said before. You said something like cash is just deferred spending. Is it- yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. so, what, you know, I guess, philosophical, why, why do you save? Well, most people save because they want to spend something in the future. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's, you, it's a rainy day account. It's, absolutely. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a bit old-fashioned in these, these days. I mean, uh, there's various psychological uh, research on instant gratification and wanting yeah, things yeah, now yeah. and all that, and people are sometimes reluctant to put something away for the future that they can't benefit from immediately. So it's maybe a touch old-fashioned, but ultimately it yeah. works. I'm a fan in the in delayed gratification kind of model of, yeah, yeah. If, you, if you want to achieve something great in your, your job, your career, yeah. work hard on it and it'll come. Don't expect at the end of your first week. It's like yeah. anything, you know, yeah, whether it's, I don't know, losing weight, whether it's getting healthier, whether it's saving. Uh, you know, it takes time and, yeah. and it's the accumulation of good days. So if you can, or good months or good years, you know, you... If you take small steps but do them frequently enough, then you should be able to get to where you want to be. And is, is, is that, is that is, do, you, do you think a lot of people set out, Neil, and think, oh, well, I, I can save a little bit, and then look in like a year's time and go, oh, what was the point in that? I'll just buy a car, or I don't know. Is it like, do people just give up, or or do, do people never start in the first place? What what what, what derails people? I, um, I guess it could be a number of things. I mean, we're fortunate that the typical clients we deal with, we don't see that type of thing happening. So, um, but yeah, it could be, it could be anything. You, you might not be getting satisfactory returns. You might be paying too much for something, and the, the the fees are eroding the real value. So that's something that we would certainly look at. Um, it might be just feels like too far away, too big a goal to achieve, and. The ten pound a month doesn't seem to be doing it, but it's not going to get them the no. thirty grand a year pension, is it? it but, yeah. So they give up. Yeah, but then there's this thing, you know, it's often quoted the the, the eighth wonder of the world, this magic compounding interest, and that's you know getting a return on the returns you've achieved, and that just snowballs yeah. over time, and the longer you can leave that, the the bigger the effect that that has over time. Okay, and just just finally then, because obviously we're 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 in an interesting time 
now you know we've got Russia Ukraine going on we've got sure. inflation at something like 40 50 60 year record levels in the US you know, after they've spent all this mm -hmm. money on things world events can sometimes undo any good planning can't they if, okay. if, if, if you look on a short term what, what what advice would you give to people who are like panicking right now going well, hold on the market's erratic I know you can't give specific advice but would you just say ride it out you're in here for a 30-year game what happens this year doesn't matter again you you know go back to the individual circumstances but for the majority of people and we've we've had this experience as a business through you know the credit crisis in 2007 8 9 that kind of time obviously covid's been a recent thing that you know that's had an effect on stock markets immediately and uh, and we've had clients reacting or wanting to react to these things nine times out of ten the right answer is do nothing and it seems kind of counterintuitive it seems you know it might be frustrating for some people to feel like they've got to take some action to improve their situation but it very much is the case that you know whether it's ukraine russia inflation you know whatever it is the crisis du jour um it, it, it always happens. It's not different from what's gone on before. Same, same day, different shit. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, history suggests that if you don't react to stock market falls, which I guess is what we're really talking about mainly, um, you will tend to be in a better position having not done anything in a year's time than you would have been if you I think Because I, I think there's that. evidence that a lot of people... They, they feel the pain and then they quit at the point where they really that that's the point where you were just about to bounce mm -hmm. and there's like a lot of people get out at the bottom of a market yeah it's because because yeah. they've missed the drop it's very hard to spot a drop coming absolutely and they think well i've lost 20 percent in the last month i'm getting out yeah and then of course it's the it's it's, it's the bold investors who think now is the time to get in and they they reap that reward don't yeah they? i mean we, we're not actually advocates of market timing because again research suggests that nobody whether you're you or i you know average blokes or whether you're highly paid fund managers sitting in london or new york or whoever you are warren buffett or whoever you know it's impossible to get investment timing right consistently you might predict something's going to happen you might predict a crash and get out just before it happens or you might think right we're at the very bottom of the market and get the timing right but to do that week on week month on month year yeah. on year is impossible so we think don't even try that uh, but you know trust the market to produce good long-term returns it might be volatile it might be if you look at a graph of a of a stock market index, it might be very spiky. That's volatility. That's a type of risk. Um, we tend to, to encourage clients to ignore that. Again, we'll re-emphasize things like you've got enough income to meet your lifestyle expenditure. You've set aside a bit of money for emergencies. Because this money's this, this money's the, the deferred spend anyway, this isn't is the it? The extra stuff. It yeah. might have dropped a bit. You've got time for it to come back. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean. We may, you know, we would adjust your plan if you need your money next week or next month or next year. But if you're looking at, again, going back to the young person just starting work, just joining the company pension scheme, paying £100 a month in, in some ways a market fall is great for you because you're buying more buying next month than you yeah. did this month with the same you £100. You get more pounds. for that £100 next month. Absolutely. Yeah. So generally the advice is don't panic, don't do anything, don't overreact, stick with the plan, you'll be fine.
Something else that, that I learned from you many years ago now as well is that you, you can look at the top 50 performing funds over the last five years. Yeah. Most of them won't be the top 50 performing funds the next five years. Is that, is that still the case? Yeah, again, lots of research on it's that. Been, oh, and I'll just do it myself. I, I've been on, I've had a look. They've done great. Sure. The chances of them doing great again are... Yeah, I mean, I think the, the stats say, I mean, we, we, we kind of buy into this type of research and this philosophy, I, I guess, is that you're right. Uh, if you look at the top, what we call quarters, the top 25% of funds measured over, say, the last uh, five years, of those that are in the top 25% over the last five years, less than 25% of those will be in the top 25% yeah. in the next five years. And it's actually impossible for me as an advisor or you as a, an investor to pick which of those 25% will be in that top 25%. Which ones are going to repeat it? Who knows? So yeah. we as a firm don't tend to uh, use that uh, type of investing. It's called active fund management. We tend to prefer index funds, which is where you're buying the market as a whole rather than yeah. taking bets on which funds will outperform in the future. We don't think you can do that with any certainty. We tend to reduce your costs, buy the market, and trust the market to do the do its job. Good. Okay then, and how do people get in touch with you, Neil, if they want to? Uh, just the usual contacts for Robson Laidler, so our office number, our website, or our email. Uh, I think all those details are on the website. So. We'll put everything in the, the link on the uh, comments below. So thanks very much, Neil. That's been great. Thank you, I Mark. hope people have got some value from that on how to maximise their what was it? Most of their resources, making the most of their resources. Um, always a pleasure, Neil. Thank you very much. Thanks, Martin.